This presentation is from UX Australia 2018, held in Melbourne. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Right there? Right, there we go, better. All right, so it's 2013, and I'm working in an ATO call centre as part of my induction. Um, I just joined the organisation as an experienced designer, and if I'm being brutally honest, I didn't have a whole lot of idea about what that had to do with my job. I'd answered hundreds of phone calls about things like lost tax file numbers and uh, you know, can I change my address? It felt a little bit like treading water. And then in dropped a phone call from a single mother of two. Her name was Susie. And Susie told me about how three years before our conversation, she and her kids had lost their husband and their father and how that year when she went to fill out her tax return and she got to that field that said, for the last financial year, did you have a partner or a spouse? She actually didn't know how to answer the question. And so she did what a lot of people do in our experience and she talked to family and friends. And when they couldn't help, she went online. And the content she found was technical. It was a little bit jargony. It was pretty difficult to navigate. Um, and she thought, you know what, screw it. Yeah, who wants to think about tax at a time like that anyway? And that continued on for a few years. And from time to time, she thought about giving us a call and sort of tied back to what we were talking about just before around providing great customer service. But something stopped her. And it was that idea that I think, from research, we know that probably most of the people in this room have. It was the idea that the tax office is something to be feared, something to be avoided. And her mind, she told me how she had this picture of a room somewhere in Australia filled with hundreds of emotionless, faceless tax robots waiting to answer questions and judge her for making a mistake. It all came to a head for her, and it probably shouldn't have, when she needed to apply for family benefits payments. And to do that, she was told she would need to lodge her returns and keep them up to date. And so in one last act of desperation, she actually called. And the funny part is, within 15 minutes, most of that had been resolved. And she was well on her way to a solution. But the realization I had that day was that for Susie and her family, and for thousands like them, it shouldn't have to get to that. You know, we'd focused so intently on creating a great interaction and a great customer service experience that we hadn't stopped to take a step back and go, well, what about all these people who actually don't want to talk to us at all? You know, they don't want to interact with us. And that type of realisation is what shifted a change in our approach to the ATO, especially in how we present experiences. Now, we have a lot of hats at the ATO. The one we're most famous for is that we take your taxes, take your revenue. Um, everyone's kind of looking at me like, Ugh. <laughs> um, but our goal is pretty simple. We want to help taxpayers in this arena pay the right amount of tax. No more, no less. And we also operate in a slightly different environment to what I expect a lot of you operate in. And that is, we're not private. We don't work for profit. We're not competing. You know, we're not trying to get speed to market or anything like that, at least not for competition's sake. Our experience to go back to what you were saying, is uh, not desirable. Um, and interestingly, if you have to pay tax under the law, it's also not optional. 
You just need to pay tax. Um, and that makes our job pretty difficult because what we're asking you to do is navigate an environment that is steeped in a sort of a rich history of legislation, the legal precedent, and all those things that nobody actually deals with day to day. So if you don't want to talk to us, in that sort of situation, we can't really help. And so we shifted our approach. We stopped thinking about you know, if you have a problem, you'll give us a call. Uh, and we thought, well, what if we could make the experience easy and simple enough that people could actually have that unique experience, that desired experience, which was, in some cases, people describe it as no experience at all, but we don't know that's not true. It's more um, as little interaction as possible. And we made a little bit of progress on that. My bosses would say a lot of progress on that, which was we looked at things like online portals. So for the room, gratuitous hands up moment, who here in the last few years has lodged something through MyGov? That's a lot of hands. Keep them up. Yeah, up. Come on, I can see you at the back. That's better. <laughs> um, if you remember your login details. Uh, see, that's something we just solved. Uh, you used to get that somewhat randomly generated number that people couldn't remember, and now you can use your email address to log in. Um, we also looked at our wider digital ecosystem, and we used quantitative data. And we found that, you know, for most people, the front door to our services is the website. We get about 84 million hits a year, which is a lot. Um, and it makes a lot of sense, because if people don't want to talk to us, then you try to self-serve. And where do you self-serve? on the website. And to improve that, we tried to reduce the average reading level. Um, we removed 5.4 million words, which is no easy feat. And we introduced a lot of interactive tools and calculators, the idea being that if we could do some of that heavy lifting for you, it would make it easier to make those decisions. Just making sure you can hear me through this one. Yeah. Um, while we had made lots of improvements to the website, it still didn't help the 44% of Australian adults who lack the ability to comprehend and apply complex information that they read online to their own circumstances. There are so many unique circumstances and situations out there that we can never develop enough examples to put on our website to cover everyone. WebChat was another service that's great in context. It's available while completing your return, but if you're disengaged from the system altogether or it's not tax time, then it's not available to you. Social media is well established in the ATO. We get hundreds of two-way conversations every day. Um, but expectations are changing dramatically. People want their answers now. And running a social media team 24-7 just wasn't viable. So we had nothing to solve the problem that Lyle was talking about. In spite of all the work that we'd done, we kept hearing the same stories. The Susies of the world don't want to talk to government. They don't want to wait. They want information that relates to them and their situation in a language that they understand, in a language that they use, and they want to be able to trust and rely on this information. And most importantly, they want to be anonymous. So we had a gap in our service offer. So we did some research, a lot of research. First, what could we learn from those that had gone before us? What research had Forrester and Gartner done that we could apply to our community? What were other government agencies doing? What did the OECD recommend that we should do for the next stage of social media maturity? And what could we learn from private enterprise? In particular, other large organisations like ours, steeped in history, hierarchy and lawyers. Like banks and telcos, how were they having online conversations with their communities? How were they giving customers personalised and relevant information 
without pushing them to the phones. The answer for them was online peer-to-peer -peer community forums, where people could talk to each other, where content was crowdsourced and collective knowledge used for everyone's benefit. But could this work for tax and super? Well, we already knew that it was. Tax and super topics rank highly on third-party forums like Whirlpool, Reddit and Flying Solo. Tax has appeared as one of the top five topics on LinkedIn for quite some time. So we explored the simple and obvious option of just participating in these already established forums. Um, the problems we encountered though was that it was so resource intensive, trying to find questions that related to us that we could answer amongst numbers of topics like that. We, it was like looking for needles in haystacks. We had no visibility, no intelligence, no reporting and no data that we could use to help improve any of our other products. Um, there was no way we could provide a service standard for any of the clients on there. It was completely out of our hands. And most importantly, the users of these services had no certainty. There was no protection if they used um, information from someone that wasn't the ATO. If they got bad advice, there was no trust. So we began a proof of concept and the birth of what we call ATO community. At the time, it was the first Australian government online community forum, and it's the second in tax administration across the world. Um, second only to Estonia, but they do everything first. Um, <laughs> we knew we need to involve users in co-design, of course. This always presents a problem for us at the ATO. How do we get users who essentially don't want to talk to us, who don't want to participate? Recruiting participants is difficult. It's not an easy sell to convince someone to come into an ATO building to do a tax-related task, sitting in a room while tax officers are observing from a two-way glass beside you, recording the whole thing, taking notes. But our co-design labs have been around for nearly 15 years now, so it hasn't stopped us before. We had to think a little bit out of the box for this one, though, mix it up with methods. Um, we know more, more people are willing to be honest when they're anonymous, so we relied heavily on online, unmoderated studies on our ATO beta platform. We had lots of intercept surveys and iterative MVP releases. We had over a thousand participants involved in that. At the ATO, we've had a tagline for as long as I can remember, working for all Australians. Being inclusive is a major focus when designing, and this was no exception for us. At the time, the DTA digital service standard had just been mandated, so this fueled our drive for that even more. We look for ways to test with a wide variety of participants, controlling for age and gender and education, specifically rec recruiting those with low literacy, living in remote areas, indigenous, non-English speaking, and those with disabilities and impairments. And we used extensive research done by DHS when they did their website redesign as a baseline. But we knew we couldn't do it all alone, Sometimes the best person to talk to our community is not actually us. So we used external providers to assist as well, particularly around cultural sensitivities. But of course, there was no way in getting around the need for face-to-face -face discussion, observations, inquiries, and testing. All the surveys in the world weren't gonna tell us the why. So relying on our highly skilled moderators, we carefully built trust involving over 200 participants in collaborative design and prototyping sessions. We created a space for honest conversations. From years of conducting research and moderating sessions with those who want nothing to do with us, I offer a few points to consider if you find yourself in this situation. Firstly, I recommend recruiting the participants yourself. I know it's a little painful, but it gives you an opportunity to start the rapport building at that point. I show them straight away that I'm not the tax office, I'm human, I've got warmth in my voice, I'm concerned about their problems, and I always throw a joke in to try to make them laugh. I take notes during these recruitment conversations, detailed notes, and I use the information to help the conversation run smoothly once they do come in for their sessions. I weave in what they've already told me 
so that they know that I care. I find commonality really early. There's nothing more powerful than the words I understand. As most of you would already be doing, I distance myself from the product. But more importantly for us, I distance myself from the brand, which isn't too hard at the ATO. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last point I want to talk about is the willingness to sacrifice the session or some of the session to build that rapport and trust. I know we work hard to recruit them and we often have observers and the execs sitting beside observing the sessions and they've got their own agendas, but really the session is wasted if you haven't built that trust. So spend the time, take whatever it takes really to get to the point where you feel that level of trust in the room. Sometimes it's as simple as just giving them the space to talk and show that you're listening. All of the characteristics that made a great contextual inquiry are the same as what we soon realised we needed to create in our community forum. It had to be personal, human, honest and trusted. So, ATO community was brought to life with a soft launch in May 2017. We won't go into the build, that's a whole different talk, but the features directly address our user needs. It's available 24-7, no waiting on the phones. Um, it's completely anonymous, you can sign in as whoever you want, there's no judgement. We tackled the trust is issue with simple but effective gamification that provides intrinsic rewards for participating. Remember, remembering that we'll only ever get about 9% of our users register. They'll be the ones who ask the questions. Then we get about 1% who answer the questions and the other 90% are lurkers, so they'll never register for our forum. We leverage the Edelman Trust Barometer results which tell us year after year that government organisations are least trusted and make it obvious when answers are from peers or tax professionals. You can see in this example here that, that there's a registered tax practitioner um, pill, the little grey pill on the left-hand side. That's what you get if you're a registered agent. So you know if your answer is coming from someone who they can trust. In addition to this though, the community can also indicate the best answer to their question and we also add an ATO certified badge. So in the green banner in the middle, you can see ATO certified there. It's simple but highly effective at increasing confidence in the content. So, we had an MVP, but the process internally of getting to this point was not easy. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about another group. This is the bit that might be career suicide, but uh, I'll say that now. Um, I want to talk about a group that don't always want to talk to us. I mean, us collectively, especially when we have some great idea about how to improve the experience. And what I'm talking about is sort of our board members, our executive, our external stakeholders, um, our partners, our bosses, that sort of stuff. Um, and what I want to say is that to get community off the ground, something that was particularly risky, we found it really successful treating them with the same level of empathy that we treat for our users with. Because at the end of the day, I think it's pretty easy to forget that they're people as well. They have motivations, they have feelings and thoughts. And it's a pretty tall order at the end of the day to go, all right, I want to try something risky and I want you to stake your budget uh, and your reputation, and in some cases, even your career on it. And early in these conversations, we were saying things like, we want to introduce crowdsource content. That's something that's never been done before in Australian government. And a lot of those conversations ended with people saying that we were insane. You know, that risk-averse culture played out. And we found that we had lawyers, and we had social media experts, and comms experts, and designers, and colleagues, and tax agents, and um, executive, and in the ATA we actually have over 200 of those, all who had skin in the game 
and all had a different perspective on how to get this thing done and what it meant for them. And so we did something a little bit radical because we knew that no amount of writing business cases, I mean, how can you write a business case for all of those different people, was going to get it across the line. Uh, and that was, instead of going on a rampage at the beginning and saying, we're doing this thing, it's going to be fantastic, we spoke to as many people as possible internally, all of those people that we said before, and we said, here's an idea we have. It's just small. It's just a twinkle in our eye at this point. But before we go any further, we want to understand what are your concerns, you know, what are your feelings, what are your thoughts? And not to oversimplify, but those tended to fall into three main categories. The first was universal. It was, how much is this going to cost? The second was a little bit more ATO-specific. It was, we're afraid you're going to end up in the newspaper for the wrong reason. And anyone who's been sort of watching the news over the last three years knows that we don't necessarily have the most consistent batting average when it comes to IT projects. So <laughs> the third was actually probably one of the more important ones, especially for this group. In trying to make this experience better for some, were we accidentally going to make the experience worse for others? And those fears were worth acknowledging. Uh, we weren't going to get it across the line, at least without a few ticks and green lights. And we did that, as Liz said before, by running one of the most comprehensive, I think ambitious, user testing, uh, user research, and stakeholder engagement programs I think we've ever done, at least for proof of concept. Because we needed the data to tell the story. But there are plenty of talks about that. The thing that I think was key to this was that not just did we have the right data, but we were very transparent about it. We were transparent. We shared the results throughout the entire process with not just the executive, um, not just business stakeholders. We shared it with the DTA. We shared it with other agencies. We shared it with the community themselves through ATO Beta. Um, we shared it with regulators and tax agents. And that's a terrifying thing to do, especially as a designer and a design lead. Because now all of these people have a front row seat to all of your mistakes your failures, the things that didn't work out, the false starts. You know, and it can seem a little bit career limiting. At least it did for us at the time. But it also did something else for us. And that was what we were banking on. It gave everybody a front row seat for every iteration and evolution. You know, we got to see all of the data and all of that feedback shift from, this is something that we might be interested in you know, as a community, to OK, I can see where you're going with this. I like it. To that final point, which was, you know what? This is actually going to make my life easier. Or this is actually going to make my client's life easier. And that conversation shifted internally as well. We went from having all of those conversations about you know, this rumor of this crazy thing that these crazy people were going to do. It was never going to get off the ground. To people coming out of the woodwork. And they wanted to talk to us about this experience, about this solution that was going to plug a hole in our experience, the one that we talked about before. And at the end of the day, it was the courage that was showed by the teams and by our leaders that actually made the platform what it was. So where are we at now? We're in the middle of our first real tax time with ATO community running, and we've surpassed all of our um, expected growth rates. We've got nearly 6,000 members. There's 10,000 posts. We've had half a million visitors so far with 150,000 visitors in July this year alone. In the next five years, we expect somewhere between two and four million visitors a year. 
and with over 30% saying that they no longer need to call the ATO to get an answer to their question, even if this rate stays the same, but we think it'll go up. That's a saving in the area of $6 million a year. Some of our posts are seen by over 90,000 people. You can see this one here around second job, which is always a hot topic on the community, has 75,000 views. And this is with no advertising budget. We haven't spent a cent on advertising. It all comes from Google. Google loves dynamic content that's in a natural language. In the last year, um, ATO community has appeared in nearly 10 million search results. We're consistently coming up at the top, above ATO.gov content and above Whirlpool. And our click-through rate, at least during tax time, is around about the 14%, so a lot more than the 2 to 3% that we were getting previously. So, um, the Australians who didn't want to talk to us now have a safe place to ask their tax and super questions. Um, there's slightly more males than females using the platform, and mostly they're about 25 to 34 years old. Um, surprisingly, we expected there to be people in the younger age group using the platform, but that, that doesn't seem to be occurring. The community um, who once didn't want to talk to us are actively engaged. They're engaged in peer-to-peer -peer conversations. We have one super user who's answering 40 questions a day. That's almost as many as what we're doing <laughs> with our own staff. <laughs> um, the communi community can say things that we could never say in a language that our website could never use. The community is now directly driving improvements to our web content, to the language we use, and providing real-life examples for others. They're helping to shape new guidance around legislation, and they're improving the community platform every day by providing feedback about the platform live and in real time. Most surprisingly for me is the community is advocating for the ATO and for Australians. So this example here might be a little bit hard to read the detail, um, but essentially Anthony says at the top, why should I pay tax on invested in crypto? Why should I pay money invested in crypto? Tax on money, I can't read. Um, and P, I think it's PRS, he responds with, I have no issue with paying my fair share of tax on gains. It's life, get on with it. So you can see the language that they're using there, something that we could never say, even though we might want to. <laughs> so this is just the beginning for community forums. Generally, they take about three to five years to mature, so we're on, we're on the road still. Um, but we already have an engaged group of users helping each other, building trust, and more positive perceptions around our brand. So my hope is that this is the first in a long line of innovations to help more Australians just like Susie. Thank you. And that's it. Thank you for listening to this presentation from UX Australia 2018. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.